everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes to make sure the levels fall from low. I got them girls shining oh so bright. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Perked up today. I John. know. It's exciting. I mean, dude, we are Power Athlete Radio. I'm John, and I'm here with... Tex McQuilkin. Mr. Tex McQuilkin, my co-host. And we are going to... Well, we're talking training and nutrition today. And we got an everyday man giving us a call. He's established a goal, which I think is very important for the new year. Yeah. That I he's mean, connecting to his performance. Well, uh, we have this thing called the hotline, and it's always real hot. And if you want to reach out to the hotline, it is 949. 929. I'm sorry, 929-464-464-0. 929-464-464-0, also known as 929-0. Man, I got to keep working on memorizing that. Well, we just got to continue to beat this Dead horse. <laughs> you know, that's something that we do on Power Athlete Radio better than anybody is beat a dead horse. So much so that we put the old joke in the phone number, the hotline <laughs> for you to call. Uh, it's true. It's bad. Uh, but we're going to stick with it. We're going to keep rolling with it. But what we've done is we set up this hotline so that people can ask questions because we have answers. So why don't we go to our lovely uh, caller, um, follower programs and see if we can offer some nutrition and some training advice. All right. And cue it up. What's up, Power Athlete Nation? My name is Marat. I'm 37 years old, calling from New Jersey. And I have a weird little question. Maybe not. Um, I went through a wide range of body composition and weight this year. You know, after the pandemic hit, um, I kind of ate everything in the house. And I'm five foot seven, so I'm classically tall. Around 180 to 185 normally, and I got up to 194. Then I cut down all the way back down to 180, very lean. And I've maintained that same weight throughout the last few months, but my body composition changed. My body basically got softer looking. Um, not out of shape by any means. I could still see some abs, but definitely not how I was at my leanest this year. So now I'm kind of in the weird space of do I try to put on more muscle or do I try to cut a little bit again um, to get the leanness that I'm happy with and then slowly increase calories that way and build more muscle. Um, I don't have, I don't really have any sports goals. I was planning on entering some powerlifting meets this year in 2020 and then they all got canceled and I did get stronger over the year. But now I'm kind of, you know, stuck in the middle. I want to be strong. You know, I want to be the strongest dad on the block. And I want to look good. I want to look a little better so that my wife will be a little more interested sometimes. Uh, I don't know if you guys could relate to that. But how do you know when you work with your athletes? Do you have them cut their calories to lean out? Or do you have them bulk up, gain muscle first, and then drop the body weight and the body fat after that? Um, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. You guys listen to it right before, right after the New Year. If you listen to it on like January 4th or 5th, Forget that. That's just weird to say Happy New Year that long. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. 
All right, man. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, uh, it is. It is weird because <laughs> yeah. they were well past that date. But. Yeah, but no, I mean, it still has value. I, uh-huh. Man, he's in a really interesting thing, but let's do a little forensic detective work. He, you know, felt like he was in a pretty good space. COVID hits, uh, lockdown hits, and he goes out and he just basically binge eats and gains a ton of weight. And then what he does is he probably did a little bit of starvation dieting. And unfortunately, he lost a ton of muscle in that dieting phase. And all of a sudden, he ends up at a body weight back, which he has kind of deemed as his best body weight at 180 and now the package looks extremely different what's pretty fascinating about body fat is um you know body fat's a percentage so if all of a sudden you care like if you're you know let's say 20 percent body fat and you pick up an extra 10 pounds of muscle you haven't lost any fat but now your body fat is less so what i found is that if you if your body composition isn't as good as it once was losing more fat is just going to expose more of the holes that you've already created. So what I would do is I would look at your program and say, hey, what program are you going? Let's find something that's going to put on some muscle. Uh, Let's fix your diet. Let's get you in that caloric surplus, get you eating at a pretty decent amount. And then I would not only just focus a ton on uh, banging a bunch of heavy weights to try to drive as much hypertrophy as we can, but also focusing on a decent amount of aerobic work so we can create that nice uh, big aerobic base, which should increase a ton of things. And we've actually found that uh, if we can get you eating enough protein, you're banging heavy weights, you're moving in a good direction, we can, and also working on the aerobic stuff, we can use the aerobic work to burn enough calories to get you into a little bit of caloric restriction. And we've had some really, really good uh, luck and some excellent experience of getting people into a really good rhythm where now all of a sudden they're picking up muscle, they're improving their body composition, and they're also reducing a little bit of body fat on the backside. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of interlight, um, sorry, internet folklore, the idea of gaining muscle and losing body fat. But what we found is that if you're gaining muscle and developing that big aerobic base, the body fat that you have ends up getting minimalized. And now all of a sudden you put on 10 pounds of muscle or eight pounds of muscle. And because you've been there, it'll be easier. So for what I would recommend, uh, one, I'd look at your training stimulus and see what you're doing for your training. Well, we didn't get that. So where would you point him? Which of our power athlete programs looks like the advice that you're you're laying out here? Uh, I would put him on Jack Street. Okay. So I, I would put them on Jack Street. I'd, I'd um, you know get in with and do some nutrition consulting. I'd see not only what you're eating, but uh, you know volumes you're eating and what you're doing. Um, you know, make sure you're getting at least a at least a gram per pound of body weight of protein. So we're going to put you back on a high protein diet, and then we got to really figure out what that perfect amount of total calories looks like. Um, and the only way we know how to do that is by testing it. You know, split testing AB, figuring out exactly you know what it looks like in terms of the scale. And and then working on that recomposition. So we've had some really, really good luck working with people where we've done body recomposition by not only banging heavy weights, working on building a big aerobic base and making sure you're eating enough protein. Um, and I think what happened to this individual is pretty standard. Like everybody's training, everything's pretty good. You feel pretty dialed. All of a sudden now you're going into this lockdown situation and, um, you know, gyms are closed. Uh, you know, uh, food delivery is easy. I mean, shit, they were even delivering booze here in Texas. And all of a sudden now it's just easier to overeat and maybe not do the same amount of work that you were doing. Now, all of a sudden, you, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, 180 is a better weight for me. All of a sudden, you cut down to 180 and you don't like what you see. Yeah. So the easiest way to do it is get into something like Jack Street, start banging heavy weights, uh, eat that high protein diet, and then figure out what the optimal amount of calories is. 
and then making sure you're working on that aerobic base. And if we need to train you into a little bit of a deficit, I would much rather do that than, than take food out. Like I've always been a big believer. It's easier for me to train you into a deficit than it is for me to starve you into a deficit. And the common mistake of using the, the number on the scale as a, a check-in, what is, why, why do people default to their weight as their, their health, their progress, uh, or whether diet or programs working or not? Uh, because it's, it, it's a lot, it's a, it's an objective measure. So, um, the scale is kind of interesting in a lot of ways in that, um, I would never look at the scale and say, here's a target weight. What I always look at the scale for is like, what is it doing in terms of weight fluctuations? Like, let's say you're 180 pounds and we, you know, and all of a sudden now you're eating 180 grams of protein. We got you on, you know, 27, 2500 calories, whatever it is. Um, you know, you're doing Jack Street, you're getting out, you're giving me a 20, 30 minute walk every night, or maybe you're hitting some uh, assault bike or, you know, rucking and doing some other things that are outside. Um, and all of a sudden we look and, you know, you're at 178. Great. We're going to keep it there and it's going down. And then all of a sudden, uh, a few days later, you're back up to like 182, you know, wow, that's kind of a weird one. Let's normalize. And we can start kind of try trading up and down on the calories to try to continually to get us into that caloric restriction so that we know that we're actually in deficit. So now all of a sudden, as you start kind of losing weight, we can kind of start playing with that a little bit. Or if we need you to gain a little bit of weight, we do it in the same way. But I found that if we can get you eating at a high, uh, high protein diet, which is extremely satiating and also muscle sparing, and we can train you into a caloric deficit, we can, you know, get you into the shape that you want to be. And so how can they, how should scale be daily? Um, I don't like to weigh myself daily, but at least every other day. Um, okay. and, and I'm, I'm not necessarily concerned with the number on the scale. Like, uh, Hey John, I know at 265, uh, you know, that's the leanest I'll be like for me. Um, I don't use the scale looking for the target weight. I just want to, uh, you know, look, have my, you know, like the great or the best package to present. And I think what's pretty fascinating too. And I read a a ton of research on this. Uh, when we look in the mirror and the visual representation we see uh, in, in the mirror, and I'm sure this has happened to everybody where you like, you know, look in the mirror, everything looks good. Then you see like a picture later and you're like, dude, what, what, what was going on there? And I think all too often what happens is uh, our brain works in such a way to protect us. Huh. And so we have this thing, our id, that always wants to project our best image to ourselves. And um, anybody seen the movie Clueless? You remember where she's like, never trust a mirror, always take pictures. And so her friend would come over and take pictures, Polaroids of her outfits. Uh, in the study I read, they actually talked about that, that like the problem is, is that we present ourselves like, you know, you stand in the mirror, you're always going to kind of move in the best way to where you see yourself in the best light, whereas the picture is a snapshot. And so uh, I think that's why when we do body compositions and I work with people and help them kind of reach their goals, uh, I always say, hey, you know what? I'm not interested in say what's in the mirror, what's on the scale. I want you to snap me and send me some before and afters and let's, I can gauge body composition much better out of a picture more so than like, hey, scale. But I do know that if the scale is going up and down, we're at least moving in the right direction. And I know we need to keep working that way. And it allows me to fine tune things better. So I think if... Um, your game plan, you need to jump on Jack Street or the like and bang some heavy weights. You need to do something that looks like some form of aerobic work, you know, getting out, whether it's on the assault bike or any type of implement, stair mill, whatever you got, or even just getting out and rucking uh, and, you know, uh, moving fast, jumping rope, whatever you got. But we got to get something where we are building that big aerobic base. We found that muscle is dramatically easier to gain and maintain when you have a large aerobic base and a high level of fitness because it just 
it's one of those things, all, all the systems of the body tend to be working much better and you tend to being able to process. Um, we could even take this in, you know, if you wanted to take it a step further and talk on metabolic flexibility, the idea that the most metabolically flexible individuals are the ones that carry the most amount of lean muscle mass in relationship to fat. I, I do want to take it there but before. So would it benefit our caller here and a lot of people to get a heart rate monitor? So we just say a build your aerobic base. We take the same measurable yeah. outcome as a barbell or a scale even would provide. Yeah. So I, what are some tools for now getting into the heart rate monitor? Because I know you got the old hept install on there. Yeah. No. What uh, is the advice that you would give a first timer who's strapping up? Um, I well, what I really like about the heart rate monitors is. Um, and, and man, this goes back to a conversation I had with John Meadows years ago when I asked him, I'm like, hey, if you have somebody that you're working with and they're not making the progress that you think that they should, is it a food issue? What is it? And he goes, it's training intensity. They're not training hard enough. A lot of times everything else fixes itself when you add a, a high level of intensity to the training. And I don't mean like, you know, barking at the moon and howling and, you know, splitting your head on a window, but like going in and really pushing, you know, to failure, hitting your rep maxes, you know, really focusing on the quality of movement and really pushing yourself in the weight room where you leave and you feel like, man, I did the work I needed to do today. And uh, that one always just kind of blew me away. But I really like the heart rate monitor to give an accurate uh, indication of how hard you're working. So all too often, I think what we do is we get people that redline all the time and we get people that don't really push. Like I can't get my heart rate over 105 and it's like, wow, I can't believe that there's people out there. So I think the heart rate monitors and whether or not you look at like, I personally like the aura rings. Um, and I really like the, uh, the Garmin watch that I'm wearing. I've, we, we've tested whoop and a bunch of these other ones. Uh, what I want is something that actually gives me accurate feedback day in and day out. And then a great indicator of how many, you know, how many calories I'm being the zones that I'm training in. If you're building that aerobic base somewhere around 70 to 75% of your, you know, total of your max heart rate, which is 220 minus your age, uh, and being able to train in that. And I think what's fascinating where people mess this stuff up is they figure like, oh, 20 minutes of aerobic work. No, it's 20 minutes in that heart rate zone. So it usually takes me five to seven, maybe even 10 minutes of doing any aerobic work to get my heart rate up where I need. And then that's where I stay for 20 minutes. So it might be 30 minutes of work and the better shape I'm in. So the more aerobic, you know, the larger the aerobic base, the more fit it, the longer it should, it will take you to get up. If you're extremely unfit, man, you'll, you'll, sp you'll spike your heart rate within minutes. Um, but being able to get out there and be able to hit some consistent work and, uh, all too often, man, on the internet and all these memes and everything, people are always like, Oh, you know, cardio will kill your gains. It will, if you do too much, but being able to develop it, not for just to be a cardio bunny, but looking at it like I need to develop this big aerobic base so I can improve not only all the automatic functions, but also increase recovery and allow me to be in a better place so that I can gain muscle. And to build on that, where you mentioned you were aiming to hit some powerlifting meets. Awesome. But they were all canceled. Now your goal is being the baddest dad on the block. Um, with that is going to come a lot of movement playing some pickup ball with your kids or just playing sprinting and being present in the backyard the front yard all over the block if you're only focused on the scale and the bulk without the movement you're going to fall into a common block and i failed when i hit my big weight gain on 22 jack street i too am a 57 but imagine instead of your heavy 194 i peaked at the 218 now I'm much, I'm probably <laughs> was, 200, 5'7". That was a lot of weight, dude. Holy shit. Uh, and dude. My fault was 
I did have the thought where I didn't do as much conditioning yeah. for fear I, dude, of calories. Uh, but the, my failure came when I did not continue to sprint and move like yeah. an athlete. Well, I mean, people fuck this thing up the whole time. They're like, oh, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm trying to gain muscle and I don't want to burn any of this stuff. Actually, it works in the opposite. Uh, if you get in there and you're not only banging heavy weights, but you're doing some aerobic work and you're burning some calories on that side, and you're developing all of these different, uh, you know, energy pathways. Um, you can maybe tend to eat even a little bit more. So the reason I liked, and I, I'll tell you this, I was uh, not a big believer in this for a long time. And it wasn't until the 22 Jack Street program where I started doing a ton of aerobic work because I needed to try to drop some weight. And all of a sudden I'm like uh, putting on muscle and feeling better and stronger and PRing lifts. I mean, geez, I, I pulled like 585 for a set of 10 on the deadlift and just hit some, I mean, to the point where Nate was like, Jesus, you hit some nice PRs. I was in caloric deficit. So I was, I was uh, eating pretty spot on, but I was using the aerobic work to get into a caloric deficit in the training. And then, um, you know, basically pushing the rep maxes and being real smart with how we were training. And next thing I know, I'm uh, losing weight leaning out and gaining muscle. And I think I ended up picking up a few pounds of muscle um, with a, you know, 25 pound weight loss. So it was uh, it beneficial. And then I had to take a huge step back and be like, okay, because um, I, I was always a believer, like bang heavy weight sprint, you know, glycolytic type work is better. We can just, you know, use those as drivers for that aerobic pathway. And it wasn't until I actually sat down and did the work myself and saw the effects that I realized that that's creating a more advantageous environment. Um, but I think you just got to be smart. I think what people do is they end up doing too much aerobic work, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to do an hour on the stair mill. And then they, you're right. you end up killing all your gains and you're killing a bunch of other stuff. What we like is real short little bursts. Uh, you know, that 20 minutes in that hard zone is more than, uh, more than enough, but it only works is if you're eating a high protein diet, you're not eating like an asshole and we're training heavy weights. We're lifting. I mean, I, uh, you guys have heard me say for years on the podcast and also through all the CrossFit football, talk to me, Johnny, social media and everything. There's a distinct difference between those that lift heavy weights and those don't. And you can see it bodybuilding. Like, um, you know, they just had the Mr. Olympia and it's always fascinating to look and see. You can tell the structure and the look of a muscle and an individual that lifts heavy weights opposed from somebody that just does a lot of pump work. So, um, just don't be one of those guys. And now let's dive into metabolic flexibility, something you dropped and you yep. had the opportunity to present just about a year ago at the NSCA Coaches Conference on metabolic flexibility. What, is that, what does that term mean to the dad who lifts weights? Well, okay. So not, the, not the health professional, yeah. but. Well, so um, I first heard the term metabolic flexibility about 10 years ago, and it's really defined as your a body's seamlessly and effortless ability to trans, I guess, you know, uh, you know, basically switch between energy sources. So for us sitting here in this aerobic pathway, we're usually burning fat. When we get into like a high level, high motor, you know, idea, then all of a sudden now we switch over and we use a different uh, energy source, which would be like glucose or carbohydrates. So your body's ability to seamlessly you know, move back and forth between these two energy systems is what we define as metabolic flexibility. And the more metabolically flexible you are, the healthier you are. So for years, I thought that this metabolic flexibility piece, uh, if we could somehow lasso it and unpack it and be able to present it in such a way, we could really fight to make a just a healthier individual. And through all the research um, that I did building up to this talk, which was like about 10 years in the making I did for the NSCA, um, about a year ago down in San Antonio, um, through the research, the thing that I found is that 
the individual who carries the most amount of muscle with the least amount of body fat, regardless of how they got there. And it doesn't matter if they got through through paleo, through, you know, uh, you know, ketogenic diets, you know, if it fits your macros, whatever it looks like, the person that carries the least amount of body fat in relationship to muscle will be the most metabolically flexible individual that muscle is the greatest divide or is, is the greatest um, driver for metabolic flexibility. You know, fat's extremely oxidative. So that can mess it up. So the least amount you have. So how you get there doesn't necessarily matter as much as that you are there. So what we found with this metabolic flexibility deal is whatever we have to do with your fine tune approach to get you into the leanest bit, you know, I guess you could say like the most muscular, like the leanest, most muscular you've been like the, the point where I'm carrying the least amount of body fat to the greatest amount of muscle is what we're really striving for. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to this stuff, it's really hard to gain muscle without driving some form of protein synthesis by banging heavy weights. Um, it's also hard to gain muscle in a low protein environment. And if we're looking to reduce body fat, we got to eat somewhere in caloric restriction. And we know that body fat improves uh, or body fat reduces and your body fat you know, numbers will improve with a larger aerobic base. So being smart in the programming, following something like Jack Street that we know is going to you know, maximize that ability to put on muscle and then being real smart with all the dietary approaches. And then the other thing, too, that nobody ever discusses but are kind of underlining in a lot of ways is what's going on within the body. You know, I, I just did a, uh, a blog post about, um, you know, rules for success in 2021. One of them is, you know, you need to do some diagnostics. You got to get tested. Uh, we go in twice a year and get a bunch of, you know, blood work done. And I always want to know what my hormones level looked like, what my prostate looks like, what my gut looks like, uh, you know, what problems are underlying for me that I'm not seeing be a problem today. But if left unchecked can be a problem in 10 years, I think a big part of health today is being proactive. It's like uh, in the training environment, right? Like if you want to be proactive in your training and, you know, work on a, a little bit of movement or a little bit of mobility or technique, because you know, as the weight starts to get heavy, it's going to start breaking those down. I, I'm always a big proponent of it. Same thing in the health circle. I want to get blood work done and I want to get enough diagnostic testing done to where I know what's happening before it becomes a factor for me, before it becomes something that I have to deal with and it becomes something that uh, uh, almost feels insurmountable. So um, that proactive nature, but really with that metabolic flexibility, whatever we can do to get you to carry the most amount of muscle in relationship to low body fat is what we're going to do. And um, that's basically the layman's simplest definition I can give for metabolic flexibility. And it's it is becoming more important to understand it. We do talk about this. I, I feel holistic is a not the right word. Well, to well when we say the word holistic, I use a W. So W H like whole, not just like H holistic, which I think is kind of like the hippy dippy, uh -huh. you know, next thing you, you're, you know, lighting candles and incense. Yeah. And I feel with other strength and conditioning programs or opportunities that people to have following it's only focused on the, the the performance aspect, so your strength gains or your your scale. So a single number versus looking in conjunction to how your lean body mass and your body weight and how you're performing and how you're sleeping. All of these different things are connected. Where we can tie it back to your your performance. All of these things lead to and and for many of us out there that are not connected to 
a specific performance goal or our performance, our livelihood relies on our performance, like our, our LEO, our fire and our, our hammer athletes mainly, but just doing this because we enjoy it. We want to look good. We want to feel good. We want to be the baddest dad on the block. Then it all becomes more important and checking in on body fat, checking in on blood work, checking in on muscle mass. I know we did DEXA scans previously yep. and it, it was cool to see you know, right to left compared muscle mass. And then we follow different uh, diet challenges. I use DEXA Backwood 22 Jack Street. We also use DEXA for one of our leaning protocol challenges that we yep. did internally with the team. And that DEXA is, it was a great glimpse. The cool thing though, was connecting that to the, the blood work yep. and seeing the deficiencies that even as healthy as, and you're probably the most switched on person that I know, you still have things where you need to adjust and you go back to the blood work to find, yeah. actively find what you need to correct. Well, for me, um, I'm, I, I tend to be a creature of habit and I don't eat with enough variety. So if you eat the same foods over and over again, you end up developing some some allergies to them. So by getting some allergy testing done, I can see like, and it's a great reminder for me to, to eat with variety because I would probably eat some form of like ground meat, steak, and some form of like cruciferous vegetable like kale or, or uh, um, you know, Brussels sprouts for almost every single meal. And then maybe some like white rice for a carb. And like I, I just like these, these are the foods that I like and they tend to you know be the easiest for me to measure and I can kind of stay on. But unfortunately, if I don't eat with variety, I tend to develop some food allergies. And those, then that negatively infects and causes some low-level inflammation in the gut. And now all of a sudden we're looking at micronutrient or, um, yeah, like some micronutrient issues because things are getting bound up. So being able to have, you know, that Roy G. Bib and that variety is is extremely powerful. And but sometimes you just need a physical representation from it. The other one, which was pretty fascinating, is um, they I tested negatives for no toxic metals, but I had a bunch of environmental toxins associated with um, uh, cleaning solutions and gasoline and different things because obviously I work in the shop we use a ton of like uh, um, you know acetone and not only uh, like a paint thinner and different things to clean different metal parts before we weld and there's a whole bunch of processing that we do especially with like you know using some paints and some other things and all of a sudden like these environmental toxins were really high and, uh, you know, as I start kind of looking at it, I'm like, oh, man, could these be an issue? So now I got to be smarter wearing a respirator. I got to be smarter wearing gloves. And uh, if I hadn't seen this, I just would have been like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. It soaks in my hands. But now I got to be smarter because it shows me. So I think if um, if you don't have the information, something happens like, OK, that sucks. But if you have the information ahead of time or somebody educates you and you don't take it and something happens, the, the the impetus is on you and you as the individual. So I think you got to be smart. I think you got to be proactive. Um, and unfortunately, I wish that there was some, uh, you know, magic body weight program I could push out to you. You know, I know, know they're real big right now, but uh, you got to look at some progressive overload. You're going to have to train a little bit outside of, you know, your comfort zone, push that envelope to try to gain some muscle. You got to be really smart. You got to be measuring and weighing your food and figuring out exactly how much protein you're eating. And then making sure that you're not a lazy ass that you get off the couch and developing that big aerobic base. And, you know, if you're looking for better performance in the bedroom, those factors are going to, you know, definitely benefit a healthy androgen profile. You know, lifting heavy weights, eating a high protein diet is definitely going to affect a high pro or um, healthy androgen profile. And then also that big aerobic base tends to help that stuff, too. Now, 
like I said, I don't need you to go out and walk for three hours and beat yourself down. I just need short little bursts that are consistent. And the Jack Street's a great program that has those opportunities built in. Yeah. Don't neglect those. All the Jack Streeters out there that are looking to take Wednesday as a rest day. No, it's an opportunity for you to actively recover. And I would suggest buying that heart rate monitor or something that's able to track your heart rate so that you can apply this metabolic flexibility and flow through these different metabolic systems and have the data that shows, oh, I'm, I'm slowing down or I'm not hitting this as it's written in the, the Jack Street program. Awesome. Well, um, if you want to find more information on Jack Street, go to Power Athlete HQ backslash training. And you can also go to Power Athlete HQ backslash Jack Street, or you can check out Jack Street on Train Heroic. And you can find them at trainheroic.com. And if you got any questions, you can always hit us on social media at Power Athlete, at John Wellborn, at McQuilkin. Uh, and if you're following the training, uh, you know, Jack Street or any of the, the feeds, the feeds are by far the best place to reach out and, uh, you know, to ask for not only advice, but this, we have the, a bunch of nutrition ninjas that are checking in all the time. We got nutrition templates. We got a bunch of nutrition coaching too, that if you want to reach out, we can get you headed in the right direction. And so we have solutions for all of these problems and they are not insurmountable because we have done this and we have done this for years with thousands of people and people have always reached their goals if they were consistent. That's the one thing that I can't do. I can't come to your house and force you to be consistent. I can belittle you over text and email and whatnot. And I can get on here on the podcast and, 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 you know, rip on you a little bit. But for the most part, if you're invested, we're invested and we'll reach our goals. So hit us up. If you got any more problems, anything yeah, to Yeah. I got to finish with Louis Simmons quote that you dropped in that metabolic flexibility presentation from the NSCA. Never train minimally. Never just train maximally. Always train optimally. Yep. Louis Simmons. Louis Simmons. Thank you, Power Athlete Nation, for another episode of Power the, Athlete Radio. Oh, I threw you a curveball right there. The premier podcast in strength and conditioning. If you have a question about nutrition, body composition, training, lifting weights, protein. Really uh, anything. Really anything. Anything. Movies. Automobiles. Automobiles. Anything. We'll break it down, digest it, and find an expert in that field if we need to. If we can't answer your question, we'll bring somebody else on. Uh, the Rolodex is thick. And uh, if you got any more questions, remember, reach out to the hotline, which is always hot. 929-464-464-0. 929-464-464-0. And also 929-ing-ing-zero. Only two ings, Yeah, John. only two. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm a mess. But... uh Thanks again, and we will see you later. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye.